many of you ever had a nickname in your life? How many of you still use, or other people still use that nickname that you had on your... Oh, quite a few. How many of you uh, are really glad that nobody ever uses that nickname you used to have? Anyone? I've got to be honest with you. I had a nickname when I was at school that is so horrendous to me. Nobody knows it. My wife doesn't know it. And when I say that I was going to use this illustration, she's desperate to find out. And she's not going to know. In fact, the only person I th- there's only one person alive who I think might know it. All right, and, and, it, and I just hope to God that nobody gets hold of that person and finds it out. Because this nickname that I had when I was at school is so horrendous to me that even when I reflect and think about it, it puts me into therapy straight away. All right? Would you like to know what it is? Never. You are never, ever going to know what my nickname was at school. And, uh, and it kind of also reminded me about when I went to a, a, a party at someone's house and there was, we were all sat around a dinner table and uh, we played that kind of game type thing. You know, if you're an animal, what animal would you be? Anyone ever done anything like that? You've probably done it a life group. And, uh, and people went round and thought of different animals and it came to me and I just said, well, of course, a stallion. And um, <laughs> what? What's funny about that? Yeah, exactly. Everybody burst into laughter and then they all uh, kind of had a consensus together. They felt the animal that best suited me was a hamster. All right. So in my mind, it's a stallion and in everyone else as a hamster. Some famous nicknames. Who knows the person that had this name? The Iron Lady. Margaret Thatcher. Old Blue Eyes. Frank Sinatra. For all you older people. Tricky Dicky. Richard Nixon, if you're old enough, and any soap character, Coronation Street, EastEnders, if you're not. How about Scarface? Al Capone. Do you know what? The first followers of Jesus also had a nickname. This nickname symbolized who they were to everyone else. Do you know what their nickname was? Their nickname was Christians. It was first used at Antioch, and it was meant as a nickname. It's meant to be derisory. It actually means little Christs. What an awesome nickname to have. When they saw, when people saw those first Christians, they said, you know what? They're like little Christs. And they called them Christians as a derisory nickname, like the Iron Lady, that kind of thing. They were known because they lived exactly like Christ. If we were put on trial... For being a follower of Christ, you've heard this years ago, many of you, would there be enough evidence to convict us? If you and I were put on trial and the charge was that you are a follower of Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict us? You see, the real test of faith and the real test of dangerous love is not what we say, it's not what we sing, it's how we live our lives. Francis Chan, who's a writer and an author, he said God's definition of what matters is pretty straightforward. He measures our lives by how we love. That's it. He measures our lives by how we love. Jesus said, when asked what's the greatest commandment, Jesus says it's to love God with all that you've got and then to love your neighbor as yourself. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 5 verse 6 says, The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. It's amazing, isn't it? The only thing that counts, it's not how much knowledge you have. It's not how much experience you have. It's not how many gifts and skills and abilities you have. Do you know, it's not how many people you lead to Christ. The only thing that really counts is faith 
expressing itself in love. Peter, in 1 Peter 2 verse 12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they see your good deeds and they glorify your Father in heaven. James, in James chapter 2, he said, Listen, it doesn't matter what you believe. You say you believe in God, the devil believes in God. You show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you faith that's dead. And I want to say to you this morning, as we come to the end of this series, it's such an important thing for us to get hold of. Please God, don't let our concentration and our focus on dangerous love stop because we've come to the end of a series. Amen. Because God says that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. When people ask, where is the love? The answer is a person. The answer is you, me, him, her, us. That's the answer. Where is the, when people say, where is the love? They're looking to see it lived out in human beings. And God's calling to us as a church is to be people who live out dangerous love. How many of you enjoyed the series? Hasn't it been a great series? And we began six weeks ago looking at It Must Be Love when Luke kicked us off with that madness song. And we said, it must be love because this is what's so important to God. And we looked at the nature of God's love and how God loves us so passionately and in a kind of obsessive kind of awesome way. And then we looked at uh, One Love and was a bit of Bob Marley came in there and we looked at and Dan helped us to look at this being really focused to loving God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. And then Laura helped us with the power of love and we looked at what does it mean to love our neighbour. We looked at that whole thing about the people that we come across in our life that you know we may be too busy and we justify it to ourselves why we shouldn't get involved. And we looked at the power of that. And then we looked at addicted to love and we looked at sex and relationships And we said that we're not addicted to sex, we're created to love and it's so important. And then last week, Simon helped us to look at money can't buy us love and the whole power and the the importance of forgiveness. But I want to wrap all that up this morning by saying that God calls us to live out dangerous love. And if it's dangerous, it's risky. And if it's risky, it means this. You may get hurt, disappointed, mistreated, overlooked, ignored and rejected. Isn't that exciting? So how many of you like to come out now and respond to that? Yeah? You may get, let me say it again, just so you miss a few, hurt, disappointed, mistreated, overlooked, ignored, and rejected. But Martin Luther King said, there can be no great disappointment where there is no great love. If you don't ever want to get hurt or disappointed, then that's fine. You are ever going to really love. Because actually, where there is love, dangerous love, there is risk. And there is always the risk of it going wrong. Now, those early believers probably wouldn't have been given that nickname, Little Christ, right at the start of the book of Acts. Because when we come to Acts chapter 2, and we're going to turn there in a moment, we see these first uh, believers, and they were kind of... um, Anything but little Christ. They were scared. They were fearful. They were locked up in a room, the Bible says, for fear of the Jews. But something happened in Acts chapter 2, which we call Pentecost. Actually, it already was Pentecost because Pentecost was an Old Testament Jewish festival. And on the day of Pentecost, something happened. God sent his spirit in such an amazing way that the church was really born on that day. And today, we celebrate Pentecost. So all across this planet, believers will be celebrating the birth of the church and the outpouring of the Spirit of God. 
And so you heard it on, you saw it on church news. I really want to encourage you this afternoon. I know it's a lovely day. Where else better could you spend an afternoon than Dudley High Street? I mean, come on. I mean, there's no more beautiful place on the planet. One hour this afternoon between four and five in Market Square, Dudley, just to join together with other believers and we're praying for our town. We're praying there because that's the centre of the borough. I know some of you don't live in the borough of Dudley, so that's okay. You're still allowed to come if you'd like to. Um, But we're praying there because Dudley's the centre of our borough, kind of, you know, economically and from a, a legal and government point of view. And we're praying for our town and we're praying for our borough and we're praying for our nation and we're joining with others who are praying for our world just for one hour this afternoon. We'd be great to see you there. But when you look back at the first Pentecost, something amazing happened in the lives of those believers which meant that the church was born and people began to see, ah, there's the love, there's the love, there's the Christ there's the little Christ. I can see it by the way they live out their life. And I want to show you four proofs of whether we're really filled with the Spirit, whether we really are living dangerous lives from the early chapters of the book of Acts. The first thing that I believe that when the Spirit comes within you and when you are really living out dangerous love, there is a boldness to speak out. When you love someone, you can't help speaking about them. Isn't that right? When you love someone, you can't help speaking about them. In Acts chapter 2, verse, you see, let's read the first bit of Acts chapter 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then in verse 14, then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Peter was transformed from a man who took a sword and cut off the guard's ear in the garden to someone who when he spoke, the Bible says later on, his words cut them to the heart. He was transformed from trying to cut off someone's ear with his own physical strength to the Spirit of God so being at work within him that his words cut people to the heart. He couldn't stop speaking about the one in which he loved. Here's my question for you. Would people know we love Jesus by the words we spoke? That's powerful, isn't it? And see, I think that there actually, there are different levels to this. And I, this is just my own thinking. I haven't nicked this from anywhere else, Google or anywhere else. But I, I sense that there are levels to this whole thing. It's a little bit like, and this, you're going to like this, when you go into the sea, and you're all wanting to do that now, and there are levels to it. And I, I think here, in level one, this is the words that we know we shouldn't say as Christians. They're the naughty words. Bottom. And other words like that, you know. And, and so, so this is the kind of level one, really. We think, actually, that's what it means to be a Christian. Just stop swearing and stop using bad, naughty words. But actually, there's another level to the words we speak. There are also the, le- the words that we know we shouldn't really say, but we often do. Gossip, slander, spite, cynicism, criticism, all that kind of stuff. You know, and you know, I do it, we all do it, and we, oh, we say, oh, I'm really not representing Christ very well there. And that's like a little bit of a deeper level. But then there's a deeper level of the words we use when we're in opportunities where we could speak up for Jesus. Where we're in our offices and everyone else is criticizing the boss happens a lot here, where everyone else is criticizing the boss, and we say, actually, I'm the Christian here. I'm the Christian here. I don't have to say something, but I can. 
It's not about saying, a, a, not saying a, a, I haven't said a swear word, so I'm speaking up for Christ. But actually, the words I say are bringing life and truth into this situation. That's a whole different level of the words that reflect. Are our words life-giving words? Remember James chapter 3, there's power in the tongue. See, sometimes we think, well, I don't swear, therefore people know I'm a Christian. But actually, what about gossip? And then what about when there is an absence of life-giving words and you're the believer and would people know we are Christians by the words we use? Then there's a whole nother level. And oh, this is a deeper level. The words we instinctively say when we're under pressure. (laughs) When we're squeezed, what do we say? What comes out of our mouth? Sometimes it can be this kind of stuff that when we're squeezed, ah, we end up saying all this kind of stuff. And I wonder, and I want to challenge you as I'm challenging myself, and God really challenged me about this when I was cycling recently on my own, and I'm just finding that God is speaking to me so much. to say, Leon, when your back is against the wall, what words instinctively come out of your mouth? How often do we pray in situations? Because what is instinctively inside us under pressure is what really reflects what's going on, isn't it? So I want to challenge you this morning. Would people know that you are a follower of Christ by the words in which you speak? Because when you have dangerous love, you can't stop showing it by the way you speak out. Secondly, compassion to reach out. When you love, you cannot keep it to yourself. So in the next chapter, Acts chapter 3, it says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple the time of prayer, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. They had compassion and they reached out to a man who was broken a man who was at the edges of society. And yes, they gave him a physical healing, but they gave him much more than that because they reached out with compassion to him. Would people know that you are a follower of Christ, that you have dangerous love by the way in which you reach out to others around you? Again, I think that there are levels to this. I think there are levels to this. I want to call them three different levels. I want to call this one events. That's things we do as an event. Like next Saturday morning, Dangerous is an event. It's two hours of your life where you can reach out to other people and it's an event. The second level is a theme where God has placed something within you that you're passionate about. You know, for the guys that are going out to Zambia, several of those have been many times before. I think this is about Alison's seventh or eighth trip. So for some of those people, it's gone from being an event to a theme that grips their heart and they are passionate about helping kids who are suffering from poverty and HIV AIDS and communities who are so desperate that, you know, when our guys go out next week, do you know they're going to have to choose which kids they're going to have to give food to? Because they won't have enough food to give everybody some food. That's tough, isn't it? It goes from being an event to being a theme that you carry within your life. And for some of you, I know it's exploitation of women. That's something you're passionate about. For others of you, it's fair trade and it's how we, use the, how we approach the environment. But you know, the deepest level of all is not an event and it's not a theme. It's a lifestyle, isn't it? Where actually we live our lives in such a way that we are there to serve 
the purposes of God and we want to live in such a way that it's not just an event we do, it's not just a theme that we care about, but it's a way in which we live our lives. So I want to encourage you. Listen, and we're only asking you next Saturday to get in the shallow end. That's all we're asking you to do. We're not asking you to swim out your depth. We're just asking you, and I know some of you will be away, it's bank holiday weekend, to give two hours of your weekend to just going out on the streets. What we're going to do is that we've got like a little space in uh, the Cornbow Centre up by Asda and by the library. So we're going to base ourselves there a little bit. We're hoping to get some face painting going on and get some balloon bending. And we're just going to smile and just bring some love and some lightness into the centre. We're going to give away some stuff, some sweets to kids and that kind of thing. And we've got permission to do that. Okay, we're going to do that. And then also we're going to go on the Highfields Estate and we're going to clean up some of the stuff that's there. Some of the graffiti and the mess and the shopping trolley and all that and we're just doing it because we just want to show to people that we love them it's an event it's shallow end that's all it is but it's really really important so please can I encourage you come and have some fun with us next week and let's take it out onto the streets you've enjoyed the series yeah let's put some feet on it let's put so people can say well where is the love then oh there it is there it is it's when they came out of their building into our streets and told us that they loved them not just by the words they said, but by the actions that they did. Where is the love? There it is. Him, her, them, those people. That's where it is. I want you to pray as well for our guys out in Zambia. and Find a way to get involved and get passionate about a theme that God gives you. But the biggest challenge of all is to, to live this out as a lifestyle. You know, you're going to hear in a few moments a song. It's from an album by a band called Mercy Me, one of my favourite Christian bands. And we've got some of these CDs down in the coffee shop. And the CD is called, the, the, this song is up, it's called The Generous Mr. Lovewell. And the whole CD is all about the theme of love. And it's this concept that the band have come up with, is a Mr. and Mrs. Lovewell, they call them. And these are people that get up every day and they're looking for how they can love well on that day. Fantastic album, great songs about actually not just getting up and having an event where I go out and love or a theme that's important to me, but where my whole life is a life where I'm seeking to love well. Isn't that amazing? Bill Hybels, who's the leader of a church in America, said, authentic Christianity is not learning a set of doctrines. It is a walk, a supernatural walk with a living, dynamic, communicating God. Thus, the heart and the soul of the Christian life is learning to hear God's voice and developing the courage to do what he tells us to do. Not an event, not a theme, and that's all important, but a lifestyle. It's like a coat that we wear. Not just that we take on and off, but actually that we wear as we live out our life. When you have dangerous love, you can't stop showing it by the way you reach out. Number three, when you've got dangerous love going on, there is courage to step out. When you love someone or something, you will step out and you will take risk and you will have courage because you love that person. In Acts chapter 4, what happens to the early church is that they're hauled before the religious leaders and they're threatened. They're questioned about what they're doing and the authority that they're doing. In Acts 4.13, it says this, listen, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, not when they heard about it, not when Peter and John said, let me play you a song, but they saw the courage of Peter and John. They realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't you love it for people to look at your life and they say, when I see Luke, okay, (laughs) 
he's not in this case. I see he's an unschooled, ordinary man. He's only a professor PhD. So that's the wrong illustration. But wouldn't it be amazing if people looked at us and said, they've been with Jesus. Wow. Because of the courage that they had to step out. So then they threatened them with drastic action unless they didn't stop living it out. And in verse 19 it says, But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. So you can threaten us all you like, we can't help it because it's going on inside of us and it's got to come out. And the courage to step out. And they go back to the rest of the believers and they continue to serve God. And I want to say something about this. I think this is so important. There are two aspects to living this out. One is the aspect for me of serving. You know, serving is not just a coat that we put on when we feel like it and we do an act of serving. It's meant to be a lifestyle where we are surrendered and where we are here to serve the purposes of God. And that lives out in every area of our life, in the home, in our family, in the workplace, and here in the church as well. And if you're newer to us as a, as a church and you think, oh, I'd love to serve in the church, I'd love to take my place in the body and be part of the body that's working together, then you can do that. We're developing something behind the scenes at the moment called Gifted to Serve. We're just trialing it out. We're running a pilot at the moment where we're trying to help people discover their spiritual gifts and their passions and how they can put that coat on of serving and get involved here in the life of the church. But the other challenge, I think, is that will you serve when life is tough for you? How we respond to life is a real indicator of the dangerous love that's going on inside of us or not. Hmm. When you have dangerous love, you can't stop showing it by the way you step out. And the fourth and final thing is this. When there's dangerous love going on, when people see that you are a follower of Christ... Not only will you have that courage we spoke about, not only will you have that boldness, not only will you have that compassion, but you'll also have generosity to splash out. Generosity to splash out. When you love, it shows by the way in which you use your finances. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them. There were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them. They brought the money from the sales and they put it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. See, when there's dangerous love going on, your stuff is not your stuff. You know it's God's stuff and there is a generosity in your spirit that means you're ready to splash out for the cause of God. Once a man said, if I had some money, I'd give it to God, but I've just enough to support myself and my family. The same man said, if I had some extra time, I'd give it to God, but every minute is taken up with my job, my family, my clubs, my entertainment, my leisure, what have you, every single minute. The same man said, if I had a talent, I'd give it to God. But I don't have a lovely voice. I've got no special skill. I've never been able to lead a group. I don't think cleverly or quickly the way I'd like to. And God was touched. And God gave that man money, time, and a glorious talent. And then he waited. And he waited. And he waited. Then after a while, he shrugged his shoulders. And he took all those things right back from the man. The money, the time, and the glorious talent. After a while, the man sighed and said, if only I had some of that money back. 
I'd give it to God. If only I had some of that time, I'd give it to God. If only I could rediscover that glorious talent, I'd give it to God. And God said, oh, shut up. And the man told some of his friends, you know, I'm not so sure I believe in God anymore. You see, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Do you know that? You can give without loving, but if you say you love God and you do not give, those two things don't work together. You cannot love without giving. People who love Jesus, they give of their finances, and let me tell you how they do it. They give it in a consistent, thought-through, responsible way. Not leftovers. You you see, sometimes in our culture, we think, right, I've got my phone contracts, I've got my Sky TV package. We would never think of addressing those issues in a haphazard, inconsistent way, would we? They go first in, we get the contract, we get them all sorted out, they go in. Then we think about God. Whereas actually, if you really love God, you don't think about that first. You think about what you're giving to God and everything else kind of comes after that. We also, people who splash out, who, live, who love God in a dangerous way, give in a sacrificial and faith-filled way as well. Where not only do we consistently give, but we understand that everything we have belongs to God anyway. And we want to live the adventure of giving back to God. And can I just say, I want to thank you so much, those of you who give to this church and to the work of God in this church in a consistent, thought through, not haphazard, but a sacrificial and faithful way. And there are loads of you that do that. And we as a leadership are absolutely blown over by the way in which you do that. And I want to thank you for that. It indicates in a real way that you love Jesus. And if you haven't found a way of doing that yet, we can help you. Because actually, it's not about money, it's actually about values and how we really live our life. So, let me challenge you and me today as we come to the end of this series. Here's some questions. If the average believer, okay, spends between five and ten minutes a day focused time with God, but four hours on their TV and technology, where is the love? If you can tell what someone worships by their diary and by their bank account and they looked at yours or mine, where is the love? If we say we have the life-changing message of the gospel, yet few believers ever lead another person to Christ in their entire lives, where is the love? In 1854, a guy called Charlie Pierce, Peace, was hung. He was a criminal. And as they were walking through the streets of London... Uh, to the gallows in 1854, a priest behind him was speaking out words of scripture. And then he spoke out this, he said, and those that die without Christ will be separated from God for an eternity. And Charlie Peace stopped and turned around and said, do you really believe that? And the priest was a little bit kind of, yes, I guess I do. And Charlie Peace said, well, I don't. But if I did, if I believed what you said, I would crawl on my knees across broken glass across the length and the breadth of the city of London to tell other people about this Christ. And then he went and was hung. (laughs) If we really believed in this message we say we believe in, you would see it by the way in which we live our lives. Where is the love? So what's missing, folks? What's missing from what we want to live out? We want to live out dangerous love, and yet we find it so hard. One of the things that's missing, can I tell you this, is the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So now we go back to Pentecost. What happened at Pentecost turned those believers into people that said they believed to actually those that lived it out. 
God gave them the power to live out the dangerous love. He gave them the boldness to speak out. He gave them the compassion to reach out. He gave them the courage to step out. He gave them the generosity to splash out. It came through the infilling of the Spirit. And if you go back hundreds of years before to a very obscure verse in the book of Judges chapter 6 verse 34, it says this, God interacted with Gideon. Remember the story of Gideon, some of you remember that. It says, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet. And the interesting thing is, I'm not going to blow a trumpet, I don't have a trumpet hidden here, don't worry. The interesting thing is that the phrase that's used in the Bible, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, literally means the Spirit of the Lord clothed himself with Gideon. So what we always think is that to be clothed with power means that we put on God like a jacket. It's really hot up here now. We put on God like a jacket. And that's what I think we often think that, you know, if, if I need power, then I need to kind of go and ask God to clothe me and put himself on me like a jacket. The problem with the illustration is that we don't quite understand the meaning of the word. Because the Hebrew suggests... The Hebrew suggests a special kind of incarnation where God's spirit puts on Gideon's personality. So this doesn't represent God, this represents Gideon. And when God's spirit clothed himself with Gideon, it wasn't that Gideon put on God, it was God put on Gideon. Isn't that interesting? So what happened is that God said, is there a man or a woman? That I can wear like a jacket. That I can walk around through their body and through their personality. That I could be, that they could be rather, my hands and feet as I live out my power within them. Is there anyone who is so surrendered and open and available that I could actually infill them and I could wear them so that people could see me on planet earth? Isn't that amazing? A guy called David Jackman puts it like this. We're told that the Holy Spirit put on Gideon like a suit of clothes, much as we might dress up for a special occasion such as a wedding or put on overalls to climb under a car. Gideon is the clothing in which God is going to appear. Are you excited about that? You are the clothing in which God is going to appear. What happened at Pentecost thousands of years ago was that God filled those early believers And they became the clothes that God was going to wear. And when anyone said, where is the love? They look at those people and say, there it is. That's just like Christ. They are just like Christ. Why are they just like Christ? Because Christ is living out his power through them. We don't understand this often about spirituality. In Luke 2 verse 49, Jesus said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. The Greek word for power is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite, but we don't understand that dynamite initial, originally in its root meaning actually means the ability to get the job done. This isn't about a big explosion. This is about the ability to get the job done. Pentecost, the sending of the Holy Spirit, is not primarily an experience for us to enjoy. It's enabling us to live out the life of God, isn't it? That's why God sent the Holy Spirit. It's not an experience. It's an enabling for mission and the purpose of God. So I've got two questions for you as we draw our series to a close. Number one, do you want to be? Do you want to be? The coat that God fills. Do you want to be the suit of clothes that God fills and walks around this world? Do you want to be his hands and his feet? Do you want to be his love? 
Because you are, we are the only love that God has got to fill and to work out into our world. I'm going to ask the band to come back and they're going to sing a song for you this morning. Gives you some time to think and to reflect on whether you actually want to be that suit of clothes. And then I'm going to invite you to respond into that. And and as you listen to the song, you're going to see images as well. And and this song, I love this song. It's off that album I mentioned, which is down in the coffee shop if you want to order one or get one. And this song to me just draws something out of my spirit. I say, yeah, I want to be that. Because it starts with a desire. I say, Lord, I want to be the suit of clothes that you walk around in. And, And it's not how great you are, okay? It's how great God is, isn't it? And as we let him fill us, as we let him put us on, we become the clothes that God walks around in the world and touches a world through. Wouldn't that be phenomenal? But the question is, do you want to be his love? We will be your love. It's at the end of this series. Who will be his love? Who wants to say, that's me. I want to be that suit of clothes that God fills that God rises up in that God walks around this world in that God touches people in the words I speak the way I reach out the way I serve the courage the generosity I want to be his love and if that's you this morning and you say I want to be a suit of clothes that God could fill and walk around in then I want to ask you to stand with me to respond to this at the end of our series if you don't want to and you're not ready or you think I'm just not that's fine don't but if there are people here and you say I want to be a suit of clothes that God fills and walks around in then you stand with me Father we love you God we we do love you Lord but help us to love you God, I pray that only we, only you can do it through your power within us. So Lord, what we do this morning is that on this day of Pentecost, we surrender to you. And we ask you, Lord God, to fill us with your spirit. We ask you, Lord God, that as you did 2,000 years ago, 3,000 miles from here, would you send your spirit again? And when we say, Lord, send your spirit on us, we understand that you come on us in order that you can fill us in order that you can live within us and you can live in us and through us. And we surrender ourselves to you and we ask you, Lord God, would you fill us in such a way that we would be your hands and your feet, that we would be that suit of clothes that you fill, that you walk around in, that you would wear us like a garment, that you would touch a world through us, through the words we say, through the things that we do. God, here we are.